Kia ora koutou. welcome to HR Chats with me, Teradar, for what is the second part of a three-part conversation with Carly Tiaotonga on how HR practice is vital to the well-being of our Māori workforce. If you missed the first part, do feel free to go and catch up on that. And just a reminder, there is part three as well. So when it comes to supporting diversity and inclusion specifically for, for Māori employees, what can HR folk do about that? Well, the obvious recommendation um, that I do have is please do ensure you have a diverse workforce with Māori representation throughout your organisational structure. That's from frontline, middle, senior, um, senior leadership positions. And when you acknowledge diversity, I would encourage you to take a very mindful and considerate approach as to how you enact this throughout your organisation. So I often hear and see Dee and I talked about as we celebrate diversity and inclusion. And for some to celebrate may actually have a negative impact on their well-being. Uh, and for me as a Māori, my Māori tanga or Māoriness is not something that I'd actually feel comfortable with being you know, celebrated within a non-Māori context. It would feel uncomfortable for me. So what I mean by this is if a um, celebratory act was held in acknowledgement of the company recognising Māori and their workforce and organised by non-Māori, I might consider this as slightly humiliating. And it possibly could be contentious about the authenticity of the act, although the act could be well-intentioned. So what you'd ask yourself, is this about the employer and their DNI policy and practice? Or is this actually about the ways an employer actively partners with Māori to lead the design and implementation of practices that support their inclusion in the workplace that generates, uh, generates their wellbeing in the most positive way? So what you could consider doing is establishing employee working groups, if you haven't done so already, to ensure what you do and how you do it is actually appropriate for your people and has a positive impact on them in their workplace. Because I want to you know, pull you up on that word authenticity. We've seen, all of us have seen things where you think this, this is kind of just a box ticking exercise that has made literally everybody uncomfortable. Why are we still going through with this? What happens in those situations? Who's, whose responsibility in a way is it at some point to go, um, I don't think this is a very good idea? I think all of us, whoever's been exposed to it in the first instance, it's, it's, it's all of our responsibility. But also as HR practitioners, I believe it's up to us to make sure we um, provide the right coaching and advice to our um, management and leadership teams about, about best practice HR, really. So you put your ad out, you've found some candidates, you've employed your candidates, you've onboarded those candidates, uh, everything's going well. Any tips for supporting Māori through their performance development and, and, and particularly those performance conversations? Yes, yes. So in terms of um, performance development, again, do consider Tamei's injuries, Whakatoki on diverse realities require diverse solutions. So we, we want all of our people to be confident in their ability to get the job done and know what to do and where to go if they don't. So this is where you could embed the tuakana tainer value and approach which actually could be embedded throughout your systemic HR practice. So that's the older brother or sister and younger brother or sister approach and value, or less literally, the importance of mentoring coupled with the mentor learning through the mentoree as well, and taking their shared ako or learnings to apply within their workplace as a collective. 
another point would be there's nothing worse for me than being asked what I've done well. So please, if I ever leave Wakatu and work for you, do not ask me this question during my performance conversation. You'll get a very uncomfortable silence followed by this makes me uncomfortable. And I'll use um, the whakatauki of kaore te kumara e kōrero mō tōna akereka. So the kumara doesn't speak of its own sweetness. So this is about the value of humility as Māori. Some Māori not, uh, tend not to be comfortable in this space. So if you take this approach, you may not actually be able to capture and document the fullness of your Māori employees' performance achievements. So when we as HR partner with our people managers, there are multiple ways to measure the achievements of our people in their roles. And changing the language ever so slightly can actually change how someone relates to this. So something um, you could ask me during a performance conversation that I could answer a lot more comfortably might be, uh, what project or initiatives have you enjoyed working on? What specific role, um, sorry, what role specific business area or organisational goal did you achieve? And what learnings and insights did you gain from this? Tell me a little bit more about that older brother, younger sister approach. How, how, what, what, what does that involve? So, um, so as Māori, we often um, were guided, we had our pathways, um, you know, our capabilities um, and potential had been identified from a young age. And we were essentially partnered with those that were more experienced and knowledgeable and specialists in, in that particular um, strength or capability that a child might have. Um, and they'd be matched with their um, older sisters, um, older cousins, um, aunties, um, and so on and so forth. So it's a really, um, and it's also that um, reciprocal relationship that fosters and nurtures that growth. And you can actually learn so much as well. We, you know, teachers, all the teachers out there will tell you that they more often than not learn so much more from their students than what they do about what they're actually teaching as a subject matter experts. So it's sharing and, and learning and growing and developing um, in particular areas together. Marvellous. So how can people uh, improve the, the learning and development offerings for Māori employees? So by coaching your line managers through the IDP conversations would be a really good start. So encourage them to think diversely and by asking Māori employees how they can be supported. So for instance, is cultural connection and development important to your people? Um, explore what opportunities may exist for them that will also contribute on the whole to their whānau aspirations. I mean, that's to be said for all as well. And investigate alternative solutions to learning that are Māori designed and led. So an example of this um, might be, let's say, um, it's been agreed with myself and my hiring manager that it will be beneficial uh, to participate in leadership development. So our organisation normally provides this through an external uh, training provider. However, this provider uh, does not provide a programme through Māori ancestral leadership qualities, which I've actually signalled as an important factor for my development. So remember, um, coach, uh, coach your managers to be open-minded to advocate for learning and development that isn't your status quo. And um, again, don't assume that every Māori employee would prefer this. Also ask yourself, do your L&D opportunities allow for cultural development? And is your L&D strategy aligned to both your organisational objectives and also your values? So what counts, what doesn't, and who decides? And can, one, um, can one's L&D requests be aligned through your organisational values? So an example of this might be, um, 
you're a logistics company, let's say, and the relevancy could be aligned to your organisational value of respect. Um, so, someone's, so someone's essentially, you know, requested te reo Māori development. So your value is respect and to show respect to your employee and their cultural identity, you will support their development requests to attend te reo Māori learning programme. So it's, it's organisational um, objectives and values. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Māori ancestral leadership qualities? What happens there? What's, what, 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 would, what would be the difference there? There's sort of the key difference if you're putting someone on, say, a traditional leadership course versus the, the Māori ancestral leadership course? Yeah, so that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, so, for instance, I might take my master's programme in leadership, for instance. It's delivered um, as, it's not your typical lecture, um, you're in your lecture theatres um, being delivered to, you know, your lecturer standing in front of you of their whiteboard and, and PowerPoint. It's a wānanga style. So everybody contributes to the conversation, to the thinking and finding solutions or, um, ins or gaining insights together as a collective um, and it's using um, and it's also using the framework of te ao Māori you know karakia before and after um, your program and, and and various things throughout sharing kai together all of those sorts of things and I think it's important there to remember it's not one size fits all it's actually one size fits one so if we foster the fullness of our people's potential capabilities through that individual and collective development we end up cultivating skills that actually reach our organizational aspirations and outcomes together Good. So um, HR practitioners, uh, when they're looking to improve remuneration, recognition, rewards, benefits and titles to Māori employees, what should they be looking to do in that area? Well, that's quite a, it's quite a full um, area of, of HR. So um, I'll just start with a couple, of, a couple of things in here that stand out. So around um, remuneration and rewards, if you do have some type of merit process which considers awarding a REM increase based on an individual submitting a portfolio of evidence or are considering this, please be mindful and consider it in the design of this. So an um, example of this is I was once nominated um, at, a, at a previous employer by my HR manager to submit a portfolio of evidence to receive recognitions for contributions to my HR department. And, um, and this was based on also if the deliberation panel accepted that my work had actually contributed to improved outcomes in HR that exceeded um, my PD, my position description, um, that I would actually receive that increase to my salary. So for me, this was obviously an opportunity for my whanau, increased REM. However, the process was extremely uncomfortable. So um, what it actually asked me to do is that I personally had to document on these forms how I believe I exceeded my role requirements, also how these aligned to the organisational values. So it was again that sweet Kumara situation that I mentioned. Yeah, I'm, I'm uncomfortable for you. <laughs> so essentially you had to write a kind of a Skype sheet for yourself to go, this is how awesome I am because of, of these awesome reasons. Um, check out my... That's right. Is that, a, like, is that a common thing? Because I'm... I'm I don't even like writing a bio for myself or let alone, let alone doing something like that. It seems, yeah. That, that's I, right. I would, yeah. Oh, that's right. And that's interesting. Uncomfortableness. You, that's interesting you say that, Tereda, because I actually believe that would be for a lot of people, you know. And, yeah. 
and it's and it puts up another barrier I believe to um, you know it's confronting um, it's a confronting process and then you'll get people that won't submit an application and what that essentially means is that someone who is actually more comfortable to enter into this process doesn't mean they're better than, than other people but more comfortable this process will be acknowledged and paid more than others and yeah, so, the continued prom continued promotion of sociopathic narcissists, <laughs> generally yes. white uh, the, and the, men. The and personalities. Men. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. That's uh, fascinating. Yeah. Mm. So I I actually wrote a letter to the head of people and capability about the barriers of this process, um, and provided some alternative solutions. And um, this included the option option of the applicant submitting endorsement letters from other employees in lieu of writing to this themselves. Um, and that process was approved and adopted. But what I um, will tell you was interest, I found an interesting, ex let's call it exercise, is that I actually reviewed a similar process for another work stream who were not under um, IEAs, they were under CEAs or MECAs. Um, and this concerned me deeply, so I addressed this with the employment relations team. Um, and, and in this instance, I advocated that perhaps we, as employers, take a forward-focused and pragmatic approach and offer some changes to this process during the next bargaining um, conversations. Um, but what was disheartening was, although I provided clear rationale and supporting evidence, I was actually laughed out of the ER lawyer's office uh, as she exclaimed, why would we do that? Um, and the answer seemed so clear to me, and it was to ensure equitable processes for Māori and for all. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the first part. And then um, another one that often is spoken about, I've had many conversations with friends in whānau, is um, to consider your discretionary bereavement leave. Make sure we do it through kindness, empathy and care. So, for, uh, for many Māori, the tangihanga is actually longer than three days. And whānau isn't just who's stated in bereavement leave legislation, right? So. We as Māori come from a community of family members within our whānau, our hapu and iwi, and we don't typically refer or think of our third cousin once removed as this, they're simply our cousin. Um, they're not our koro, uh, they are our koro, not our dad's mum's first cousin, let's say. So it's something that um, Māori are often confronted with in their workplace, and it is extremely harmful to their wellbeing when their request for bereavement leave is denied. So. As Māori, it can often be difficult to explain to a non-Māori the whānau relationship um, when you are fearful your managers won't understand how close you are to the, that, the person that's passed. So, and that's all while, um, all of this is taking place while one is also going through the grieving process as well. So, Do you know, we, we're constantly suggesting to people to take a, you know, tareo course. Would it be if, if people are a little time press. Is it almost more important perhaps for, for HR folk and things like that to take a tikanga course so they can at least have more of an understanding of the cultural concepts and constructs so that this makes a little bit more sense to them? I, yeah, I, I think it's a really good idea. This, um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have specific recommendations on where to go because mm. there's so many offerings um, in different communities. Mm. And, mm. and tikanga can also be varied depending on yeah. the people of that yeah. area. So, but I definitely believe um, we as HR professionals have a um, duty of care and responsibility to, um, to um, increase and develop ourselves in cultural competency and development.
And of course, when it comes to you know, guess rewards and benefits and, and entitlements, is there a different way of looking at that as well? People want something, you know, is there a difference or are they, you know, whether it's financial or, or, or more time or a change to the way they have their, their, their time off, their time in lieu, whatever it may be? Yeah, I, I think that there's, I think it really depends on the, the, your, your workforce. I think actually asking those questions, putting out pulse surveys um, and having focus groups and working groups within your organisation with a, um, you know, cross section of, of um, people in your, um, in your different business areas and, um, and yeah, right throughout your organisation. I think it needs to be people led these types of um these types of decisions and processes to really ensure that we're capturing the essence of what our people want. Um, as I say, it's again that diverse realities require diverse yep. solutions. One of the best um, examples I saw was an organisation who um, had to have somebody on call at all times of the day and night, and they devolved that leadership down to the actual group of people themselves, got them into a into a room, and they all explained why, well, I can't do Tuesday night because that's the time I spend with my, my kids' football team, and I can't do a Saturday morning because I go and see my, my grandmother on that, and so they knew that they could approach different people at different times, and then if someone said, look, I can't do that, they knew why they couldn't do it. That's right, and there's also a difference in the types of roles that you have. So say someone, um, myself for instance, in the role I have, I have a lot of flexibility because I can be based in the office, I can be based at home, or I can be working remotely somewhere else. Um, but if you are, say, um, uh, you know, working on, on the assembly line, it can be a bit more challenging to find um, ways to manage around um, your family obligations and things like that. So there are those really practical things that we as HR look to, for instance, with job sharing, rostering, and all those different types yeah. of approaches. When it comes to talent management and workforce planning for Māori, any considerations around that? Yeah, again, it's an extremely complex and nuanced topic. So a couple of things that um, we could consider today. So number one, do you have the right people to respond to your current and future organisational needs? So how have you factored in the role of rangatahi youth, kaumatua, our, um, our older people, our, our older age group, and cultural specialists with talent management and work planning strategies and processes? Do you actively and regularly review and identify any unconscious biases your leadership and management may possess that causes that institutional biases and racism? Um, do you have mechanisms in place that cultivate knowledge transfer so that when your people depart your organisation, their knowledge does not depart with them? And what does this mean if the person leaving has specific cultural knowledge and connections? So again, talent management is a space where the tuakana tainer value and succession planning are critical for your people in the organisation. So um, an example of this is um, I was once hired in a Māori-specific HR specialist role to actively work for the benefit of Māori and a government agency. And this role was critical to support Māori-specific areas of work, their kaimahi um, and the whānau they served. So when I left, no Māori HR practitioner would apply for my role as they knew there were no supports in place to support them culturally, socially, physically, spiritually and emotionally. And so they replaced me with a non-Māori with no established networks and no cultural competency in our communities. And this person understood the westernised paradigm, if you like, of HR in practice but they could not actually enact through the lens of the Māori workforce 
therefore the well-being of the Māori workforce was actually compromised. So uh, no vacancies, um, so vacancies were not advertised uh, through Māori networks. Candidates were not invited to bring whānau tautoko to their interviews. There was a lack of knowledge and context of the rohe, um, partnerships between the mana whenua, um, the people of the area, and the organisation. And the specialist themselves was uncomfortable to partner with iwi and Māori sector through HR business partnerships. So that wasn't fair on them either in their, um, in their new role. The other thing that it highlights, highlights sorry, is that there were actually no Māori in executive HR roles to support the Māori HR practitioners. So that's where you have to be really mindful of uh, your, your workforce planning. Because I guess that can be problematic, you know, um, if, if there's a shortage of qualified and competent people and you simply cannot find one to fill this role. What do you do then? Try harder. Run away more. to Nelson. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a beautiful part of the world to run away to. Indeed it is. And that was the second in a three-part conversation with Carly. You can find the third part of that on the website. We look forward to you listening. This is HR Chats with Teradar.